Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 132. With me, as always, is Brennan Lee Gowden of BleedingGreenNation.com. I am Jimmy Kemsky from PhillyVoice.com. Brandon, how you doing? Jimmy, I'm just going to get the plugs all of the way right at the top. Obviously, you know, rate, review, download, subscribe, all those good things. Follow at BGN underscore radio on Twitter. And obviously, make sure you check out Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, which you can now eat the meat, same meat snacks that the Eagles do, you can go to RightsOfFallon.com and use discount code BGN15 at checkout for 15% off orders of $50 or more. Jimmy, Eagles training camp is right around the corner. Monday. For Monday is the first practice. I mean, it really practice. already started. They started practices, but as far as our right. purposes go. <laughs> like real like, training camp. They don't really start until we're allowed to watch, in my selfish mind. But yeah, they, they put the pads on on Monday. So when did they start practicing? Was the Wednesday? Is that like twelfth? I, I know it's the twelfth. That's basically like the OTA practices. You know, yes. not, not no pads, just the, the ramp. So, up. You know, training camp right around the corner in terms of real training camp. But we have a lot of little things, I guess, to get to from this past week, kind of leading up here. Probably start off with probably the biggest news, Jimmy and uh, Doug Peterson and all the Eagles players who were on the reserve. COVID-19 list. So that's Lane Johnson, who confirmed he tested positive for COVID. And then Nate Gary and Jordan Mailata, who we don't know for a fact that they had tested positive. It's possible they were just uh, exposed to someone who was or or had it. They're all back in the building. And uh, Press Taylor is back too. I kind of uh, I think I saw uh, Ruben Frank say that, which is also kind of that kind of went unreported. Although at the time when Doug was sent away, that was noted that uh, Press Taylor also had to go away. So everyone's back in the building. Yeah, I asked him about. Pre- I asked the team about Press Taylor if he was back yet, and they wouldn't give me an answer. <laughs> mm, gotcha. <laughs> I guess they can't. I don't know. It's a weird thing. Like you're not supposed to talk about. I mean, you, mm-hmm. I guess you can talk about players and their health and whatnot, but you know, like the the staff guys are are off limits for for some reason. So they wouldn't tell me, but they. It didn't really indicate so much that he was back, but I could kind of tell from the way they responded that he probably was. So, yeah, everyone's back. All the COVID boys are back. We'll see <laughs> if uh, if uh, anyone else joins the list. Uh, there was some unfortunate news uh, in the world of the NFL and that former Eagles offensive line coach Howard Mudd uh, passed away after he was in a motorcycle incident. Uh, I believe it was a couple weeks ago, right, where that happened. And uh, he, yes. he passed away from 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 that. Uh, a couple days ago. So did you ever uh, really interact with him much? No, I wanted to ask you about him, Jimmy, um, because, yeah, that was right before I started covering the team. I started I started getting credentialed access back in 2013. I was kind of, you know, just uh, a commenter, really, on BGN during the 2011-2012 mm-hmm. uh, years when Howard Mudd was the Eagles offensive line coach, which I, you know, obviously I, I knew this in my head, but just rewriting the fact that they hired Howard Mudd and then moved Juan Castillo to defensive coordinator, <laughs> I was right. like, 
I was I included that in my article this week, and I was like, that's such a weird aside. I was like, <laughs> yes. I, I, here's a normal sentence. But yeah, do you have any good Howard Mudd stories? He was share? entertaining to talk to. Uh, he took you know a number of the Eagles' offensive linemen sort of to the next level. Like uh, Evan Mathis really flourished under him. Uh, Jason Peters, I, he kind of had to uh, learn, I guess, a different style uh, under Howard Mudd, but I think it made him a better player. Jason Kelsey was, of course, a, a good player under Mud. Kind of took a little bit of a dip after Mud was gone, and then he, you know, reestablished himself as sort of an All-Pro player. Uh, but what I remember most about Mud, and I wasn't covering the, f- the team full time uh, during during that time frame. Like I was, I still covered training camp, and I still wrote about the Eagles, but more on like a freelance and part time basis. So I didn't go to like every practice back in the day in those days. But in training camp, uh, when he was around. He would always ride around on a on like a golf cart, the and like people, the mudmobile, yeah, <laughs> and like he would fly around on that thing, like right near people too. And there was one time uh, I was standing kind of nearby, and he just went whipping by. And this is this is back at Lehigh now. This isn't uh, this isn't at the Novacare Complex. They moved to the Novacare Complex when, uh, of course, Chip took over in in 2013. But like I was standing near uh, a small group of people, and he went whipping by. And like in Lehigh, what, after it rained there, there'd be these big puddles that would just not go away for like days at like certain areas of the field. And he hit, man, he like hit one of those puddles mm-hmm. and just drenched the shit out of me. Like, <laughs> and like he didn't even know, like he didn't even know that he did that. He just went whipping by, and he like I had all this, and I had literally mud like on my leg. He mudded me on, on, from his mudmobile. And uh, like that's that's the thing that I that I always remember, always remember most about him. But he was a very good offensive line coach. I think he was really well respected around the league. And it sucks that he died. Jimmy, I feel like you're kind of a messy person in a way because like <laughs> you had this incident. I feel like wasn't it? Didn't you spill uh, mustard on like Mike Shanahan, Shanahan or something? No, no. I, I, <laughs> this is not NFL related or job related in any way. But when I was a kid. Uh, we're going to get way off track here, but, but when I was a kid, me and my friend Kevin uh, went to a Phillies game with my dad and my sister. I had a, uh, a pretzel and uh, it was like covered in, in in mustard and like the mustard got all over like the wax paper that they gave you with the, the soft pretzel and the wax, like there was wind and the winds like made this wax paper get away from me and the, <laughs> the wax paper just went on the back of this guy in front of me. And, uh, and, and then it blew away. Like this wax paper blew away. Like it hit this guy's back and it smeared mustard all over his back. And it just blew away thereafter. And it, whoever it hit in its travels along the way, like just mustarded like everyone along the way, I'm sure. So like, <laughs> you know, we we're like, I was like, you know, 11, 12 years, 12 years old, something like that at the time. So, you know, me and my buddy Kevin, like we're laughing about it. My sister's laughing about it. And my dad sees like what happened to this guy in front of me. And he's like yelling at me. And he's like he's like yelling at me, but like in a in like a super. You ever have like a, your parent like yell at you, but not actually yell at you? Like they yell at you, but like in a super soft voice, mm. you know, like so that like other people can't hear them yelling at you. But he had you know, but he had like the yell face going. So like he made me tap this guy on the shoulder and be like, uh, "Excuse me, sir." I got mustard on your back. <laughs> can, can, can I wipe that off for you? So uh, he made me do that. And I, you know, I tapped this guy on the shoulder. I'm like, oh, excuse me, sir. Uh, I got mustard on you. Uh, can, can I wipe that off? So he's like, yeah, yeah. And he's not happy. He's, he just learned he's got mustard all over him. So <laughs> he's like, yeah, go ahead. So I don't know. I guess we had some napkins or whatever. 
And when I tried to wipe it off of him, really all I did was just smear mustard all over him more. <laughs> like I just took the mustard that was already on him and I spread it all over his back. So I don't think that's the story that you're referring to, but uh, still a classic nevertheless. Yeah, I think there was something you wrote. I can't remember what it was. But anyway, <clears throat> moving on. <laughs> I wanted to get your thoughts, too. Oh, I guess last thing. Uh, yeah, I think you said it well. On, oh, on Howard Mudd, I uh, just wanted to say on him. Sorry, I'm all over the place here. Is that uh, also a good player, too? Obviously, I didn't watch him. But like he was, like a, I think, three-time Pro Bowler and two-time All-Pro. So like in okay. addition to being like the best NFL coach or one of the best offensive line uh, coaches in NFL history, he was like, a good player too. So like a really, you know, a titan of football uh, passed away, sad day. And then also just want to get your quick thoughts on like the COVID stuff too. What do you think? It's like, would you say like, things are going better than you expected? Because I feel like yeah, yeah, they yeah, are. I would. Like when we saw what was going on in Major League Baseball with the Marlins, when all that was unfolding, it was like, oh man, I don't know how they're going to, I don't know how they're going to, you know, contain this in the NFL because mm-hmm. in the NFL you have double the players and really this time of year, like triple the players that you have in baseball. Uh, I found it difficult to believe that they were going to be able to, I mean, I, I was pretty sure that they were going to start the season on time. It's just a matter of whether they're going to finish it or not. But mm-hmm. it does seem like they've done a pretty good job of like not having any kind of like COVID flare ups on, on any of these teams and like, you know, knock on yeah, wood, knock that, on wood. that continues, of course. But, um, you know, they, they, they did have a number of people show up and, you know, found that Venda, you know, have have positive cases. And, you know, it, it doesn't seem like uh, guys that have come guys, guys have come back and then gone ahead and like spread it to other players. So it's not in the same, you know, they obviously don't have a, an ideal setup like they do in the NBA and the NHL. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think they're making and I don't know how you can even have a bubble in the NFL with, you know, how many players they have and, you know, ever they got families and all that. Like there's just so many there's so many moving parts and so many players and so many so much roster movement that you just don't have in in the NBA and the NHL. So like uh I don't know. I'm, I'm kinda rambling here, but I, I, I would agree. Like I think they have done a pretty good job so far from what we can see. Like we don't know their whole plan and like I think the plans kind of vary from team to team. So it's really difficult to say like who has good plans, who has bad plans, who's like more uh, who's who's more at risk to to have that kind of flare up or whatever? But so far, so good, and and it's 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 good. To, it's really good to see so far. Yeah, so far, so good. Obviously, we'll see how things go when the real games start, and as this time goes on, the season goes on. Who knows? But um, I think one thing maybe that we didn't give enough credence to the royal we here. Uh, and a key difference from baseball is like baseball, they don't have like a home base. You know what I mean? Like they're traveling. You're on the road. You're going to all these different teams. Like, you know, they don't have like a home operation. Like, yeah. The way that Eagles do. Or NFL yeah, you're in and out. You go, you go to you go to another you go like to another city and you're there for a day. Like not even yeah. like, you, well, I, I, yeah, I guess I guess it's like because they fly out like immediately after the game is over. Yeah. And obviously so. we, they haven't started playing games yet. So that remains to be seen. But you're right. That's a, that's a good point because they are kind of like just kind of moving around from, from city to city. They do have their own bubble. It's not like a true bubble in the way the other teams are, as you said. But like they have their own base, at least like their own home base that they can control to some extent, unlike I think baseball. So just a thought, you know, again, that could easily naturally the way our, you know, recording luck goes here. There'll be like a huge outbreak. Hopefully not. But there will <laughs> right. be probably after this podcast uh, is done recording. Um, but anyway, uh, Jatavis Brown, natural transition here, Jimmy. Yes. Uh, we did our 53-man rosters last week. We had to edit the podcast because Vinny Curry signed uh, <laughs> right. and, and ruined our predictions. And then Jatavis Brown, I think, I, I can't remember if I had him on or off. You I had, had him on. Bubble. I had him off. Okay. So I had him on the bubble, though. Like, point it was, for it was Jimmy. Not a lock. 
point for Jimmy. It was not a lock for me by any means. I uh, I guess I just figured his experience. And now, obviously, uh, he just retired at a very young age. But uh, Doug Peterson basically just said, like, you know, the, the love of the game seemed like just wasn't in him anymore. Just, yeah. you know, just didn't have it anymore. Have you ever quit a job where you didn't already have a job lined up? Um, No. Okay. So, like, I have. Once you know you don't want to be somewhere anymore... Like, I know that it. feeling, though. You know what I mean? Like that's it. Like you're not, you're just not going to be there anymore. Mm-hmm. So he probably had that, and uh, maybe I, I he wonder- saw he was down the depth chart too. You know what I mean? Because like they, could be because it seems like he reported to the facility. It's not like he didn't report. Um, at least I think that's the case. And you know, yeah, maybe he realized like he just kind of wasn't where he wanted to be, and uh, and yeah. So like, where does this leave the Eagles at linebacker? They're they're really thin. <laughs> yeah, like, they're they're crazy thin when you look at it. I mean, do you know the oldest linebacker on the Eagles? Would be Nate now. Um, I think it's actually Alex Singleton, if I'm not wrong. It's either, <laughs> oh, is it? <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's, awesome. it's those two guys though, and they're both yeah. like 26. Like it's pretty crazy, um, like how thin the Eagles. And then you want to look at start wise too. You know, like what do the Eagles have at linebacker? And I think 16 starts is the most by any player on their roster, and that's by Duke Riley. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's 16. And then it's uh, 15 starts for Gary, and then it's only four for TJ Edwards. And no one else has a single start. Yeah, and, and TJ Edwards played, like, 100-something snaps last year. Yes. Like, barely over 100. So, oh, to wait, call him, right? you know, to even say that, like, he had four starts – like, he was just in on a rundown on the first play of the game, and he probably didn't play more than 15 snaps in that game. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So, like, uh, they, they, yeah, I mean, they, they are wildly inexperienced at that spot, and it is a problem. It is, like, it's not a position that they prioritize, obviously, and it's the least important position on their defense, And when you, when you at least when you look at the three levels, when you look at the defensive line, linebackers, and secondary linebackers, a distant third. So, it's, you know, it's, if there's going to be a position where you're going to be light at, that's the one you want to be at on defense, but... Yeah, I mean, they really don't have anything aside from aside from Nate Gary, who's who's you know going to be the three down linebacker this year. Yeah, and I guess I think they have some kind of hope for Duke Riley too. We'll see how that works out. I had read wrote up writ wrote whatever wrote up a list for bleedinggreennation.com, eleven linebacker options. You can mm-hmm. go read that on there. Uh, I put Jalen Reeves Maben as a trade candidate. Yeah, I did have that before Seal. I do want to say because I saw Seal came out that afterwards, so I'm just going to chalk that up to great minds thinking alike. <laughs> you know what? I would have had fight. him too because, like, mm-hmm. he's th- that's a guy who's been on my radar too. Like, I I do those rookie comparisons, and I had him as the comparison for Sean Bradley. Mm. So I kind of identified him as a guy that sort of fits. What so you're trying to say for. you got it before like, both of us? I did get in before both of you. Yeah, I I, I profiled him back in. Uh, I get. I think he got drafted in 2017, something like that. Yes. Uh, so I profiled him when he was coming out. Like, I liked him a lot as a player. He, he went to Tennessee. I liked him as a college player a lot, and he got hurt. And I guess people don't really know who he is because he got hurt and was sort of like an unheralded guy coming out. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he does sort of sort of. What was what was the deal? Like I never really dug deep on that, but I understand like he he's trying to get out of there. Is that right? Or they're unhappy with him or something like that? Well, my understanding from Lions fans is like he just. Like he's not what Matt Patricia wants in a linebacker. Okay. I guess he doesn't. He kind of wants more like a of like a um, a thumper a little bit more okay. than a guy who kind of like the Eagles like who as a like undersized, athletic kind of hybrid linebacker safety. I think he played quarterback at some level, uh, high school or something. So that's kind of a guy to watch out for. And that makes be sense because like he he got drafted before Patricia got there, and also they've drafted a ton of linebackers. 
because they're dumb. So like, so like they they are sort of loaded at that at that spot. I can see that that does make sense as a trade as a trade candidate. Good special teams player too, at least. So you you could be getting that. And then uh, uh, obviously, you know, former Eagles defensive backs coach Corey Unlin is the defensive coordinator there. So maybe you like give them a result Douglas or something. I don't yeah. know. Uh, the other names I had of of note uh, were like Mark Barron. Just because uh, he's out there and he has experience, he's also a former safety playing linebacker. He's on the older side. It's not like you have to rush to get him, but like if the Eagles, you know, he's a guy you might sign uh, if you realize like you just don't really like what you have at linebacker at some yeah. point. And then Darren Lee is interesting because he's only twenty five years old, but he's been out here for a reason. It's probably not a good reason. Like you know, like why is why is he not getting any attention? So he's another guy you mentioned. Uh, you know, has cornerback experience. Darren Lee was a cornerback. I believe in high school, and then uh, he was—he was like a big-time prospect coming out of college. Like he was, where did he get picked? He was—was was he a first-rounder, Darren Lee? Uh, yeah, twentieth overall by the Jets. Yeah. and then sixteen. Uh, he actually had like one season there where he had three picks. Uh, like he had good numbers, and his like his like you look at his spider chart, like it's really impressive. And uh, I thought he was—he was like a potential pickup for them last year. But he wound up going to Kansas City. He won a Super Bowl, obviously. <laughs> but it wasn't yeah, a big the Jets, part. <laughs> the Chiefs traded for him. Yeah. <laughs> right. It wasn't a big part of that, obviously. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he, I, I think he would make sense as well. But like you said, there's a reason why you know two teams were like, "Yeah, we're done with you." <laughs> the two guys that I had, so I did, I did something similar too. I just had three trades that make sense, but two of them were linebackers. Uh, one of them, sort of a similar situation as uh, Detroit in uh, uh, L.A. The Chargers, that is. And that they have a lot of excess linebackers too. Uh, do you remember Kaiser White? He was like a safety, uh, like a safety linebacker hybrid at West Virginia. He was in that movie, The Usual Suspects, right? <laughs> Ky- Kaiser Soze, yes. And then uh, Blake Cashman, the uh, athletic Jets linebacker. I throw him in there, obviously, because as you mentioned, with the Corey Unlin connection, there would be the Joe Douglas connection there with Razul or Sydney or whoever they want. So, yeah. Bunch of uh, throwing crap against the wall and see what sticks from me and Brandon there. couple of notes on the NFC East here, Jimmy, with the Cowboys adding Everson Griffin. I see a lot of people clowning on the Cowboys for like, oh, they have this great defensive line from 2015. You know, you look at some of these names, <laughs> yes. like an Everson Griffin and Alden Smith. That was a line they, that um, I had my in my post about him. <laughs> yeah, I saw, I saw that. I saw a lot of other people were saying the same thing. Yeah. So obviously you were copying them. Um, I, I think this is a good pickup for them, though. Like I think it's a it's a smart signing. I think they only got him for like what six million up six to million, six yeah. million. Um, he's been productive. Like you look at, I think he's averaged. Uh, I had it here. Um, now he did get shut down by Big V in the championship right. game, which we you know people should never forget. That's just a fact. I'm not even you know I'm not commenting one way or the other. Uh, if that's a good signing, I'm just saying that happened. Uh, yeah, he's averaged nine point five sacks and twenty three quarterback hits since becoming a full time starter in two thousand fourteen. So. He's a good player. He's a pretty good player. Oh, he's a good player. He's a pretty good player. That, that was like the worrisome matchup heading into that game. It was. The, like, Everson Griffin against Halepulavazi, I thought. Like, that was the one that was like, okay, this is the one where, like, this is really advantage Vikings. And then they, and, it just, it, he shut him, like you said, he shut him down. And it was kind of a key matchup last year, Jimmy, when the Eagles played the Vikings. <laughs> yes. I was looking at your film breakdown from Andre yeah. Dillard, and there's a couple <laughs> clips in there. Where Mr. Griffin is giving the business to Andre Dillard. Did you know that he was also the one who picked off uh, Jake Elliott on that ill-fated fake field goal. Hmm, I guess I didn't remember that. <laughs> yeah, he picked him off. He was the one who uh, made the interception on that play. But yeah, he had uh, he 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 gave Dillard a hard time. Actually, they sort of tag team Dillard in that game. He and uh, Daniel Hunter both did some damage 
to mm-hmm. poor. That was that was Dillard's. It's probably his worst game. It was his first Cow- NFL action too. The, yeah, the Cow. I mean, yeah, he came in mid game on that one. The Cowboys game the next week was also really bad. So it'd be a toss up between those two. So like, I agree. Like, it's a good pickup for them. Surely they're better today than they were before they signed him. But I will say that he is a downgrade from. Oh man, I always forget his name. Robert Quinn. Robert Quinn. Yeah, I don't know how I forget his name all the time, but he was uh, he was a stud last year, and he was, in my opinion, uh, their best pass rusher, even more so than Demarcus Lawrence was. Uh, so I do believe they their defensive line actually did get worse from last year to this year. They also lost Malik Collins, by the way, who was a you know good looking young player, and they signed uh, Gerald McCoy, who you know obviously is a big name, but has sort of fallen off a little bit over the years. And I I would. Personally, I'd rather have Collins, like a younger Collins, than than a Gerald McCoy. But uh, so, like like I said, I think their defensive line got worse from last year to this year, not substantially, but uh, surely Griffin is. I, I agree, it's a, it's a pickup that they kind of, I wonder if it's like indicative of what they saw from Alvin Smith so far, who they picked up mm-hmm. earlier this year, and they realized, okay, that guy's just not going to cut it for us, so we have to bring somebody in here to you know they can rush the passer off opposite Lawrence. So maybe that had something to do with because they got into that process late. Like the reporting was that the Seahawks and the Vikings were both sort of bidding on him. And then the Cowboys came in last second and they came in with a good offer and he just signed there. So um, maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe that's why they came in so late. But uh, he is like, like you said, I, I, I do agree that it is a good pickup for them. Do you remember when the league looked on the Jones family and their leadership of the Cowboys as a joke? Now, with the exception of one notable contract, <laughs> they are just killing things. From hiring Mike McCarthy to the stunning draft and all these free agent moves, they are doing things right. Who that said that? Blogging the boys, Tom Ryle. I believe you said that. Um, so just wanted to share that. Love their uh, optimism. Transitioning to... Washington football team. Not yes. the, I don't even think they should be called the Washington football team. That gives them too much credit. It's because their name is Washington football team. I've struggled with whether, whether to capitalize the the on that. There shouldn't be a the. And really, we should just call them football team. Because, you know, we don't always <laughs> just say – we don't literally always say Philadelphia Eagles. You know, we say yeah, the Eagles. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, okay. the football team or, or football team. Um, so, football team, uh, <laughs> running back, <laughs> Darius Geis. They cut him, which, uh, according to very disturbing many account experts, of like what happened there or what allegedly happened there, like he he strangled he allegedly, allegedly strangled his girlfriend until she passed out. Not good. And it, and it wasn't just one incident. It was like three different. That was just one of the incidents, obviously. But it was like three different uh, occasions where uh, he was accused of some some sort of uh, domestic violence. So he's gone. Do you remember like the report about him and Howie? I do. <laughs> and I also remember, yeah, like I, I wrote a whole thing on that. Yeah, there was a, there was a whole, there was like a lot of little different information coming out about that at the time. Um, I think the understanding was at the time, like he wasn't even on the Eagles board, right? Like they were, they were out on him. Yeah, that could have just been a smokescreen. I really don't know, but there was at a lot of that, like. Different, I think that was my understanding. The the reporting was that they, Howie and and Geis got into some kind of shouting match. And it wasn't just like one reporter, like several different people came out and had some version of that story. Yes. So there was enough smoke where something happened there, <laughs> you know, like something happened there. Uh, we don't know what, how he denied it. Uh, I believe various other people with the Eagles denied it. Uh, I think Joe Douglas said nothing happened there. Darius Geist denied it, but mm-hmm. it's, you know, all kind of in all their interest to deny something like that. 
But uh, I mean, there were enough people saying, you know, telling some version of that story about it that it seems like something did happen there. And then they activated Reuben Foster. Proving, Jimmy, that, you know, it's a culture change down in yeah, Washington. Well, well, after the cut, guys, it's like, well, it's finally happening now. Now they're they're really turning that culture. Ron Rivera is really, really turning the culture around down here in, in the Washington football team. Oh, excuse me. With the football Washington team. Washington football team. Oh, with yeah. the, foot, the football team. And then, you know, like, literally, like, a, like two, it was like a day or two later, they, they activate Ruben Foster off the, off the PUP list. So... Yeah, not so much. Uh, as long as Dan Snyder is the owner there, is the owner there, I don't think uh, the word culture should be thrown around as uh, as something that is changing for the better. But uh, yeah, it is interesting uh, that Geis is now gone. Yeah, I think it's just actually both of those guys are really good examples of you know guys fall in the draft for a reason. Like Ruben Foster was a guy; he was the twenty seventeen draft, right? It was the Barnett year, where like yeah. a lot of people were sort of. You know, saying if he's still there when the Eagles are are on the clock, like no brainer, take that guy. No, <laughs> first of all, <clears throat> he's a linebacker, and uh, they don't prioritize that. And secondly, you know, he clearly had issues. Like he got in. Uh, he was the guy that like that uh, got into some kind of altercation at the hospital at the combine. That was him, Allegedly. right? Yeah. So, like, he obviously had some kind of problems. And then, uh, you know, Geis falls, like, not even into the second round, but, like, late in the second round when he was clearly a first-round talent. You know, when those guys fall like that, they're rarely the steal that they're made out to be when those teams make that pick. Same thing with, like, Randy Gregory, too, with the Cowboys. Like, they got him late in the second round. That guy was a clear first-round talent. And uh, he's been suspended 30 billion times already. Or sometimes injury concerns with Sidney Jones. Uh, Jimmy, I have a secret for you. Okay. The secret is for you and the listeners. And it's that BGN Radio is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Who would have guessed? The meat snacks that fuel your Philadelphia Eagles. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and Snack Steaks are served at the Eagles Novocare Complex Fueling Station where players get their pre- and post-workout protein fix. If it's good enough for the Eagles, it has to be good enough for you as well. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, VA. They use locally sourced all-natural black Angus beef, and they're committed to elevating the meat snacks category with superior quality and creative branding. You can try all the flavors. Jimmy's favorite is the Victorious B.I.G., which is made with Victory Brewing's Storm King Stout. You can also get the OG Hickory, Baby Blues Barbecue, Marilyn Monroe, which is a favorite of mine. Truffle Soldier is in there. Uh, Bourbon Franklin, Voodoo Chili, uh, and the Fal Capone Turkey Jerky. You can go to RighteousFelon.com and use discount code BGN15 at checkout to get 15% off when you order $50 or more. That's RighteousFelon.com, uh, discount code BGN15. There's no limit on how many times you can use that discount code, so make like your favorite team and load up on the same snacks that the Philadelphia Eagles do. Jimmy? I applaud the uh, the creativity that goes into the naming of all their flavors, too. Anyway, back after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. 
It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on BGN Radio episode 132. Getting into some of any takeaways from uh, Eagles run defensive. No, they don't even call him defensive coordinator. It's this run game coordinator slash defensive line coach Matt Burke, who I thought was interesting, Jimmy. It was the first time we, good. Heard, we heard from him. And then also first time we heard from uh, he was good too. wide receivers Moorhead. coach Aaron Moorhead as well. Did you have any takeaways from those guys? Uh, yeah, the, the takeaway that I had from Moorhead, which, which makes sense to me is it was a good question that was asked. I want to say it was Dave Zangaro, but I'm not sure asked him if, you know, he was because Moorhead's a big guy. So he was, he's like, he was like six, three or six, four, uh, as a player, he's still six, three or six, four, even after his playing career. Uh, but he's a bigger guy, sort of one with his size. And he was asked whether, you know, that's sort of an advantage in terms of helping a guy along like uh, J.J. Ortega Whiteside. And to my surprise, like he acknowledged that. He said, yeah, that's that's the easy part of my job. Like I can help, you know, guys with his skill set. You know, uh, the the challenge is for me to, to sort of teach up guys like a Deshaun Jackson who, you know, is nothing like what he was as a player. So I was surprised to hear him acknowledge that, but it makes all the sense in the world. And like last year – you know, their their wide receiver coach was Carson Walsh, who's like 4'11". So, like, it was it was always sort of like, uh, how's he going to help a guy like J.J. Ortega-Whiteside? Like, I don't know, like, what Carson Walsh's background was, like, as a player. Like, I'm sure he played at some point in his life. But he wasn't, like, a jump ball 50-50 guy. No way. So it'll be interesting to see what Aaron Moorhead can do with old J.J. Uh, for sure. My takeaway would be that really gassing up Greg Ward, both Doug Peterson yeah. earlier this week and uh, Aaron Moorhead. And I think that's significant. I think really, maybe as a whole, kind of haven't been like definitive on Greg Ward. I think he's the starting slot receiver. I think he really is. Yeah, I mean, you look at the, I mean, whether he should be or not yeah. is, is another debate, but you look at the depth chart and I would agree he's probably your slot receiver. And the Eagles are saying their quote, or Doug Peterson is saying he too, they expect some really big things from him. Uh, Doug Peterson also said in the starting mix, said uh, he can be a leader on this team. And then Aaron Moorhead said, quote, he's been one of the leaders of the wide receiver room, if not the leader of the room. That's the same mm. room that has okay. Alshon Jeffrey and uh, Deshaun Jackson in it. Like, that's that's significant for him to say that, I feel like. And uh, it's, at the same time, it's not insane because the Eagles have so much youth behind Greg Ward at wide receiver that, like, of the guys who are going to be around here beyond this year, at least you would think like, you know, he, he is going to be that veteran. I, I just think, you know, going back to Greg Ward last year, like he just passed the eye test. You know, he wasn't dynamic. He's not going to, you know, be this explosive playmaker, but he doesn't have to be that. I think he can just be like a good yeah. slot receiver. Um, even the stats weren't great. You, you look at like 9.1 yards per reception that ranks 93rd out of 112, uh, 102 qualified receivers last year. But in fairness to him, like some of that was the offense they're playing. You know, they're, they're, they're playing that garbage, you know, like dink and dunk down the field offense. But you look at his efficiency and 19 of his 28 total receptions were either a first down or a touchdown, you know, so like 
get the ball to Greg Ward, good things happen. Uh, looking at some, oh, he also finished uh, 16th out of 102 receivers in drop rate. That's from Pro Football Focus. He only had that one drop, which kind of came on like a play where uh, like a, a Giants defender kind of got in the way too, and it's kind of even like might not even been a fully oh, a drop. Right. The, Antoine Bethea came over, and it looked like the ball like slightly barely. Gl- you know what it was? It wasn't that he. It wasn't that he got a hand on the ball. Bethea got his arm on Ward's head a little bit. Yeah. And his head moved a little bit, and I think that affected him catching that ball. So, but, uh, pretty good. It, 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 he was affected on that play. I, w- I gave him a drop for that. Okay. I think I think he should have had it. When I looked at their drops for the season, I did give him a drop, so I agree with Pro Football Focus on that one. But it was still but, tough. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't like, it wasn't your, like, egregious... Uh, you know, like Nelson Aguilar, ball right through his hands. Alshon Jeffrey in the Saints game, for example, it wasn't like one of those. It was like it was it was a legit, like sort of difficult play to make. He also ranked. Uh, you know, you know, you know what it was. I think like last year with Greg Ward, we just got so used to wide receivers screwing up. Yes, over and over. He and really all he did was just make the plays that you're supposed to make. And there's value in that, though. <laughs> not being, yeah, sure. Not being yeah, a yeah, disaster. Yeah. Now, obviously, you want to do I don't better. Mean, I don't mean that as a knock. Like is he, he did something that the other other receivers just weren't doing. He uh, he also finished 61st at 102 in yards after catch per reception. He showed some a little bit of juice after the ball. Like for context, there Terry McLaurin also finished in that same exact spot. So, like, this is to say, like, he showed some, uh, he showed legitimate NFL ability. Again, I'm not expecting him to be some kind of star player this year. But you also have to consider the numbers he's posting are when he was, like, the top receiver, too. <laughs> like, he's playing out there with Deontay Burnett and Robert Davis as the other receivers. Now, you know, yes. you add Deshaun Jackson and <laughs> right. Jalen Rager and, uh, and you know, Miles Sanders here, too. All these things. Uh, you get Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard back, like, maybe he can thrive. I don't, you know, I don't think he's, he's probably not going to get many targets as a result of that. But when he does, he'll probably be, he'll have some room to operate. That's almost like a 2017 Nelson Aguilar right there. Like not a yes. volume guy, but just <laughs> right. be like efficient in the slot and uh, yes. make the most of your opportunity. So, so yeah, the Eagles are really talking up Greg Ward. I think that's a good sign. Also, Burke was talking up Barnett, which is, you know, good to see. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting that this is a real quick thing, but he did mention Coach Wash, who is Jeremiah Washburn, who is Jim Washburn's mm-hmm. son. Who I, I kind of I just this is so weird to me. Like he's working with he's the a front office line. guy. <laughs> he's also a front office yeah. guy in the position that Andy Wydell was when Joe Douglas was here. So like, he's second <laughs> yes. command. Like it's such a weird dynamic. The more you can do, Brandon, the more you can do. I feel like we need to dig into that further at some point because like <laughs> if Andy Wydell leaves, we should ask for him. Actually, we should ask for him uh, you know, media access to him. Because if Wydell leaves, like is he going to be Wydell? Like is he going to be? You know what I mean? So <laughs> right. Right, it's, it's, and the crazy fact of it too that like he's Jim Washburn's son, like Jim Washburn, who's like a villain. Like, <laughs> right, organ- right. Anyway, just a who Brandon Graham hated. Yes, and has openly talked about that. And I, yes. I think um, even BG was talking about how he likes uh, this this guy, like Wash this this Washburn. <laughs> right. So weird, but um, Jimmy, it's probably taking too long to get to this, but uh, okay. Zach Ertz, the Zach Ertz conversation. Yes. He's in the news because you know George Kittle. Travis Kelsey got these huge contract extensions. Well, Kittle did. Well, I mean, in terms Kelsey's, of annual value, in terms of annual value, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, just Kelsey's is a little like Kelsey's one of those you know devils in the detail type type of deals, right? But just going on, but Kittle got a Kittle got a big deal. Just, Kittle Kittle just blew, blew sort of obliterated the tight end market. Just going on, yeah, and like in a huge way. Like the previously the highest paid tight end annually. Was a uh, Hunter Henry, I believe, on the franchise tag at uh, ten point six million, and now Kittle is. Like, was it was it him or was it Austin Hooper? Uh, Hooper Hooper's is ten point five. 
Yeah, so Kittle's at 15 now. And Kelsey's getting, like, in the 14 annually, like, in that range. So this is, like, way above. And this is, I guess, why, like, we saw reports of the past. There was talk of the Eagles wanting to get ahead of this market um, and pay Zach Hurts. It actually worked out in their favor, I think. Yeah, I, well, I agree. And, and we'll get to that here. I think right now, you know, there's – and Mike Garofalo, to be clear here, said that there's nothing imminent. Like, in the past, earlier this offseason, Mike Silver had reported that – Ertz had turned down a deal that was actually worth more than what Hooper got, which is the ten point five yes. million. And yeah, and then now Garofalo is saying though that even though that is true, the two sides don't seem to be like close on anything right now. And there's no reason for them to be, as we've talked about. Zach Ertz has two years left on his deal, um, and at this point, like there's no rush in the sense of what are you rushing to get out in front of? Like the market's been set now, and it's high. Yeah, yeah. There's no there's nobody coming up now that's gonna like beat Kittle's deal. Kittle's deal, by the way, like. He got fifteen million a year. Like when you look at the the list of wide receivers that make more than him, like for, take take like Amari Cooper for example. Amari Cooper's making twenty million a year. Kittle's making fifteen million a year. I think there's a legitimate argument. Like if like if money doesn't matter, which player would you rather have? George Kittle. I'd probably take Kittle too. I, it's close for me, but I would probably take. So like even though like he's sort of busted open like the tight end market, it still might. He still might be like underpaid is maybe the wrong way to put it, but like the tight end market still probably isn't where it should be. Yeah, because there's a it's kind of a market inefficiency in the sense of like they're being considered a different position when especially and this is Zach Ertz's argument, like I'm the team's leading receiver. Like I'm leading the team <laughs> yes. in receiving yards each year. It doesn't matter what position every I year play. For, four, for every every year of Carson Wentz's career, he's he's led the team in receiving. He has so I Ertz has a every right to. Uh, to demand money that he wants. Like, this is not an anti-Ertz thing at all. Like, Ertz, Ertz should yeah, want right. a ton of money. <laughs> right. Um, and I think we need to understand here, too, when we talk about Zach Ertz, is, like, I think so many people are just so, like, willing to be like, oh, just trade Ertz because you have Goddard and waiting in the wings. Like, it's not that simple in reality. Like, it's not Madden. Like, you don't just – that's such a Madden move to do that because, yeah, you're getting rid of an aging player. You're giving playing time to the young guy. But, like – Goddard isn't proven as a volume guy. Now, he won't get that chance to really prove that if he doesn't get the opportunity to play. I get that. Yeah. But, like, Zach Ertz is a guy who is going to be a future NFL Hall of Famer, I would say. Or at least, you know, he's, he's right there. Uh, he's got the numbers for it, but we'll see, like, how the, Eagles the believe he can be. numbers at the tight end position in general kind of go way up. The Eagles believe he can be. I know that. We, we know that. Yes. And that's what's, that's what's relevant. And also probably going to be the team's leading receiver. He's going to pass Harold Carmichael for that at some point, which another – he is the game-winning touchdown recipient the only of the, in the Super Bowl, the only one. And, like, stuff like that <laughs> right. isn't, like, insignificant. I know – And also, like, the big fourth down play, too. And, yes. Which was, which was every bit as big. Like – the Eagles don't, you don't, that guy's in chopped liver. You don't just go like, oh, trade him. Like, it doesn't work like that. It's not <laughs> right, that. Right, and, right, and, and, oh, and probably the most important thing that I failed to mention, he's the quarterback's favorite target and, like, the only reliable <laughs> right. guy for him over this period and of time. And his boy. Yeah. So, it's not as simple to just trade him. And, obviously, they're not going to trade him this year. It, I think it's possible they could after this year. I'm not going to say it's impossible. To me, my understanding, by the way, because this is a, you know, obviously an interesting dynamic because you have Ertz under contract for two more years, but, you know, he's going to want to get paid, especially as he sees these tight end deals go up. Um, and then you yeah. have Dallas Goddard, obviously, with two years left on his deal. 
he's going to want to get paid because he thinks he's one of the best tight ends in the NFL. He said that last year. Yes. My understanding, Jimmy, is that the Eagles believe they can pay both guys. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to, and that's their plan. But my understanding like, is that's a possibility to them. Like, It's not out of the question. It's not like they feel like they have to pick one or the other. Like, They think it's possible they can keep both. I don't know if it's possible, but I think they – or I know they think it's possible. Yeah, and it could be. Like, I mean, I think we'll see this year how – sort of the uh, two tight end set looks with, you know, if, assuming Deshaun Jackson can stay healthy. We'll see what that looks like with an actual receiver on the field because mm-hmm. we didn't get to see that last year. I mean, they had the two tight ends all year last year, but with no threat on the outside whatsoever, you know, those guys are going to get jammed up in the middle of the field. So, like, it's, you know, kind of difficult to just, you know, hang your hat on on the two tight end sets from, from last year alone. So we'll see how effective it is this year and whether it's sustainable over the long term. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, like, I'm with you. Certainly, like, Ertz is, I mean, of course, like, you would expect him to, to you know, want a new contract. But from the Eagles' standpoint, like, it doesn't make sense for them to give him one, though, either. Right now. <laughs> like, and yeah. if I were them, I wouldn't. Like, wh- why would you, Why if you're them, like, why would you wait? Like, you mentioned there's nobody that's going to top that. There's nobody, there's nobody that's going to top that market. So it's not like, uh, you know, like, a year from now, Somebody's going to reset the market, and now like he's he's gonna you're gonna to have to pay him way more mm-hmm. next year than you did this year. So why not just wait a year, see if he can stay healthy, see if he's still like sort of you know the you know the the, the top target on your team. And uh, I mean, there's just there's just no rush. Like why 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 do it now? There's just no and, and you know, there's maybe an argument to be made that Earth maybe should have taken the deal that he that he was offered during the season. Yeah, we don't know exactly what it was. But if it did beat the deal that uh, Hooper got in free agency, it's really it probably isn't much. It probably isn't you know much worse than than what Kelsey got because the reality of Kelsey's deal is that you know is reported as like a fourteen million dollar uh, a year deal, but the reality is that it was probably more like twelve and a half uh, over like two over the two new years of that deal. Yeah, so I think the the course of action for the Eagles here is inaction. And it's just do nothing. Yeah. At least in 2020. It's just wait. Like, gather information. That's the course of action. Like, yes. is Zach Hurts, like you said, is he still effective? Is he going to get hurt? Does Dallas Goddard get hurt? You know, he's coming off this big, scary head injury that he took in, the, in, the, in uh, you know, getting punched in the face this offseason. Like, what if he suddenly gets a bunch of concussions and, you know, is, like, on path to being the next Jordan Reed all of a sudden? Hopefully that doesn't happen. I'm just saying, like, there's no rush. But that could happen. And we- and we saw like what happened with uh, you know extensions that they gave to Alshon Jeffrey and Brandon Brooks, yes. yeah, that are now kind of burning them now. So there's really like the the, the advantage doesn't really like uh, outweigh the the risk of giving him a new deal right now. And Ertz isn't the kind of guy who's going to like you know probably hold out or anything, and, and they know that. And also <laughs> right. like. He has two years left on his deal. Like, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not, it's a, you know, it's a different situation. It was one year left. Like, obviously it's a different dynamic, but the two years are left. And uh, it's kind of just the situation where, you know, yeah, the Eagles are just going to be, I think the the best course of action again is just no action at all. Just wait, see how it plays out. Uh, Jimmy. Yes. Do you have anything for me here? You know, you know who is, you know, who does have action. The course of action. Who? You know, <laughs> the Kristen and Stephanie Roach of Roach Realtors. Brandon. Wow. They boast over 50 years, 50 years, Brandon, of combined experience in the real estate sales. If you're looking to buy or rent a home, they're dedicated to listening intently to matching individuals and families with the home and neighborhood that best fits their needs. 
They're expert negotiators who know how the market trends, or excuse me, they know the market trends and get you the best price possible. If you're looking to sell your home, Kristen and Stephanie understand the buyers more than ever are doing the bulk of their searching for a new home online. That is why it's paramount that your listing pops off the screen, grabs buyers' attentions. They employ uh, professional photographers, including drone photography, photography for overhead shots, and they are experts in interior and exterior design. They can help stage your home. Just do a really phenomenal job of making sure that your uh, listing stands out from the crowd. Check out Kristen and Stephanie's reviews on Zillow.com. You won't find a single bad review, like literally a healthy number of reviews, not a single four-star review. It's just five stars across the board. I see her in action. She's my girlfriend. Uh, I see, like, you know, how she deals with uh, her clients and uh, can, So, I mean, I guess I'm biased here, but can honestly say that she is extraordinary what she does. For a free consultation or market analysis of your home, call or text Kristen at 856-906-9295. Again, 856-906-9295. Or you can just email me, jimmy at phillyvoice.com. Brandon? Back after this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 132 for our final segment. For the guys we're most excited to see in training camp here, Jimmy, we have a we have a hard out here, Jimmy. So let's let's get to this. Um, yes, I'm going to start it off. We're going to have some, we're definitely going to have some overlap, but go ahead. I, well, I wrote down nine names just in case, and technically oh, ten, okay. just in case there was overlap. <laughs> um, but right, I'm going to start only off with Jalen Rager because <laughs> okay, I have him. <laughs> that's like an obvious. It has to be the first guy. I mean, he's so, he's yeah. so key to their success this year. In terms of like they're they're counting on instant impact from him, and uh, yeah, it's it's a big deal for the Eagles to have someone who can stretch the field, especially given Deshaun's uncertainty when it comes to availability. So Jalen Rager, number one, and just you know want to see him in camp, want to see if he's it's such an easy player to watch yes. in camp too. You know what I mean? Like you see like you see him go up against corners in one on one, you see him in seven on sevens, you see him like in eleven on all. He's just you constantly get to see him go up against corners, whereas like last year. The number one pick is Andre Dillard, and it's like, okay, well, mm-hmm. the first four or five practices, they're not in pads. He can't really tell anything in that. They get the pads on. It's like, okay, well, he's only got a rep here. He's got a rep there. You get a wide receiver in there that's your first-round pick. That's primetime fun training camp watching action right there. Yeah, if he doesn't look good, there's a problem, in my opinion. <laughs> I agree. Yes, agree. Who do you have? Agreed. Who do you have? Next. Uh, Darius Slay. I have him as number two, uh, well, so we're, <laughs> we're really hot start here. <laughs> We'll see if he's still mad at me for uh, asking about his tackle. He might tackle you. Uh, <laughs> he might. I don't think. Well, luckily for me, like I don't have my video screen on during these Zoom calls, so he didn't actually get to see mm, what I look like. <laughs> Whether he remembers the name Jimmy or not is another story. We'll see. But uh, I think for the most part, I had very good things to say. But I did like a full review of his game. I watched all fourteen of his games uh, with the Lions last year. Every single snap. And uh, for the most part, it's very positive because I think he's going to be one of the best corner cover corners that the team has ever had. Probably their best cover corner since uh, Asante Samuel. So, um, yeah, I, I think he's I think he's absolutely going to be a, a big time upgrade of, over what they had. 
He's a guy that's going to follow the number one receivers around, as Jim Schwartz said. Maybe not all the time, but sometimes. And uh, I think we're going to see him in camp. He's going to excel in camp, too, by the way, because like he's not like a super physical guy. But what he does have is extraordinary feet and mirror and matching ability. So he's going to be able to lock guys down. I think he's going to be one of those guys that just impresses everyone from day one. I agree that he's a guy who could very well stand out and, and should stand out. I have Andre Dillard, who you mentioned, as number three on my list. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> because because <I> got him. <laughs> even though what you said about training camp and everything, like yeah. we, we still want to see, like, you, you better not be getting toasted by, like, Joe Osman, just for example. Or, uh, <laughs> right. And, and also, like, are there going to be any more blow-ups? Like, there were with Derek Barnett that we saw and other ones yeah. that we didn't see during the year last year. So, kind of really just need to see. I mean, it's, it's hugely important that Andre Dillard is good for this team. If he's a disaster... That is like a sinkhole for this team. You know, I remember like, so like I, I went back and looked at my practice notes from that day. I forget why, but uh, earlier in that practice, which I totally forgotten about, but earlier in that practice, he had like gotten in a fight with John, Jonathan Cyprian mm-hmm. too. And then later he got in a fight with Barnett. And then there was the uh, the episode after practice where they had to have Barnett come over and give him a bro hug. Oh, wow. It was a whole scene. Like, like uh, Doug was over there trying to calm him down. Howie came over and was trying to calm him down. And I remember like watching it and like going like, I feel bad, like taking a picture of this. <sighs> and then like, and I didn't initially. And then like I look over and the Philadelphia Inquirer photographer is like, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, all right, screw it. So then I took a couple pictures of it too. But uh, yeah, it was a, it was a whole like I don't want to I don't want to embarrass the kid, you know. So like mm. I, I wasn't gonna take a picture, of whatever. Everyone else was doing it. I was like, okay, fine. I guess I have to. So, uh, but yeah, it's uh, it was sort of an interesting thing that I hadn't seen really before in an Eagles training camp. So uh, I don't think that's a problem really necessarily that that happened. And then, although I guess it, there were other episodes like that that happened during the season, from what I told, from what, I, from what I've been told. But I think what you do want to see from him is like. I think you kind of want to. I think that fire is good, but I think you want to see more of that. I think you don't want to see like a uh, sort of a reserved, uh, you know, relaxed Andre Dillard. I think you want to see him go out there and and, and fight for. I mean, he's not necessarily fighting for that job necessarily because they brought in Jason Peters, quote unquote, to be the right guard. We'll see. But I think he sort of is still kind of fighting for that left tackle job because Jason Peters is just kind of there. You know what I mean? Yeah, you want to see him lining up at left tackle for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, he's still got to fight for that job in some way in that Peters just is still there and at any time could take over for him. So, he, like, there is some level of competition for him there. Who's your next guy? Uh, Jalen Hurts, who we're, you know, probably not going to see much of during the season. I have him sixth on my list. <laughs> okay. But, I mean, he's these are second-round picks, so... Uh, and anytime you really bring in a new quarterback at all, mm-hmm. it's kind of fun to digest them and, you know, what, what what they're good at, what they're not so good at. Like, even like Clayton Thorson last year, like, it was fun sort of just seeing what they had there. And it turns out what they had there was crap. And it wasn't fun so, to watch like, at one point. <laughs> no, no, not really. Uh, but uh, I think Jalen Hurts will be a guy who, you know, while certainly a uh, a controversial draft pick, will be sort of a guy that's uh, that's fun to watch and during these training camp practices. And I wonder how much work he's really going to get, you know, with their emphasis of, like, we need to get the starters ready. And I yeah. think – and yep. even Doug. I was listening to Doug talk on Sports Radio 94 WIP this morning, and he really even admitted that, like, you know, they have to get Carson and Nate, Nate Sudfeld, like, up to like, – yep. they're the, going to be the focus. So Hertz is going to get reps, of course, but I really wonder, you know, if they'd be limited. And that's why I put him lower on my list, just because, like, you know, I feel like we're not really going to see a lot of him, especially at least early on. So – um, I dropped him a little bit, but 
Okay. I had another Jalen. A lot of Jalen's. Three Jalen's on my list here. Um, Jalen Mills, number four, just because. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sure. You know, huge. You're, this is yeah. your Malcolm Jenkins replacement in terms of role, and uh, at, at, at least I want to see where he's lining up. Like, is it going to be exactly like Malcolm? Like, is he going to you know be all over, kind of like strong safety on on the free safety sometimes? Is he you know matching up with Zach Ertz? All that. Like, you know, where is he? Um, so definitely want to see Jalen Mills. And I, I think Jim Schwartz said there's like a competition there, which is, again, uh, do not buy at all. Yeah, of course. It's, it's Jalen yeah. Mills. He's going to be the guy. But also, like, is anyone else going to be rotating in with the first team defense? Probably not. But that's the question. That's what I want to see. So I have Jalen Mills number four. So I sort of have a group of guys here as opposed to just one guy. But mm-hmm. I, I, just in general, generally speaking, the undrafted free agents are kind of interesting mm. to me this year. And – you know, it's been said, it's been beaten to death, really, that, you know, those guys are screwed this year. And I agree, they are. Like, like they have a, a, a lesser chance of making the team than they otherwise might in another year. But I do kind of see, like, a, a window where a guy, like, an undrafted guy might make the team where he, where he otherwise wouldn't in another year. Yes. And I'll explain. So, like, because, like they're going to get limited reps, which, which sucks for them. It's going to make it harder for them to make the team. However, I feel like every year there's a guy or two that like really stands out early in camp, but then you get into like week three or four of camp and into the preseason games and those guys just tail off. And like, like the guy that like, you know, people are predicting to make the roster like after the second week of camp or whatever, it's clear that they're not going to make the team by the fourth or fifth week of, of, you know, the, of you know, training camp slash preseason. And maybe this year when it's shortened, like that guy stands out early but then never has that wall that he hits because there's just no wall to hit. So like maybe a guy sort of tricks the team into keeping him when he never really had the chance to sort of fall off. I to- Does that make any sense to you? Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think especially with the, given the way the front office has control over this roster, unlike uh, air teams that like the coach has more say and the coach is going to pick like win now players, given the power yes. that like how he has, he could, you know, he's, he can afford to be like, Okay, I really like this guy's potential. I want to keep him at the bottom (laughs) of the roster. And they kind of need those guys too that like cost nothing. Yes, absolutely. And and they've done it before. They did it last year with like Nate Herbig to some extent. Like yes, they're willing to store guys, and I I definitely think that's a fair point. Um, I definitely think it could help like a Graylin Arnold, for example. Like that could be a guy who benefits from that because they could be like, we really don't want to lose this guy. Um, My fourth or my fifth guy. So I've I've nobody left on my list, by the way. So just run through all the the rest of your guys. We'll talk about. Yeah, yeah, I can do this real quick. Uh, Fifth is JJ Arthur Whiteside, just because you know he Mm -hmm. could be in line for playing time. Ideally, in like the ideal perfect scenario for the Eagles would be that like JJ steps up, he proves to be a, a starting X. Because then he's your Alshon replacement. You have Greg Ward in the slot in the future. And uh, and Jalen Rager is your Z. Like, that's your setup moving forward. Like, in a perfect world, those would be the three guys. Now, I don't know how realistic that is, especially when JJ has much to prove. But uh, And I also don't really know how much we can glean from him having a strong camp. Because, you know, I look back to the preseason. Good, good camp last year. Yeah, good camp. Or at least, yeah. at least solid camp at the very least. Yes, and, yes, yes. And in good preseason. Like, I was watching his performance against the Ravens. Ravens and it's like excellent. Man, like, and I wrote an article for Bleeding Green Nation today that was like the players I would have been most excited to see in the preseason. And I even had to write in there, I'm like, well, he looked good in preseason game last year. So I don't really know if that would mean much again <laughs> right. this year. But still, you want to see it. You know, you want to see it. You don't want to see him struggle. So, uh, JJ, he's definitely an interesting piece in that wide receiver conversation. Uh, I'd hurt six, as I mentioned. Davion Taylor at seven, just because he's so athletic. 
And uh, he has the most upside of any Eagles linebacker. And they're thin. And they're thin. And also, like, what if the whole, like, he's an experience, which I totally buy and do believe for the record. But, like, what if that wasn't a thing? Like, what if that's not even a thing? Like, what if he just comes out, he's been studying really hard, he's just so and he's just so gifted that, like, he can make a difference, even if he's just as a role player instantly. You know who that was, by the way? Who? Tavis Brown, four years ago with the Chargers. There you go. So, like... Maybe I'm I'm just accounting for the possibility that's there. I also have Kayvon Wallace at number eight because obviously mm-hmm. that's fun to see. It'll be interesting to see like, is he going to be getting playing time with the starters? Maybe in dime, like where's he going to be? Where are they lining him up? Because he hasn't. He can play nickel. He can play you know box. Is he going to be on the back end at all? Like just totally want to see where Kayvon is and if he can kind of make this instant impact. And he's played he's played big time football. Like he's been in national championship captain games. Like for Clemson. Yeah. Like he's he's he comes into this league like like Jalen Mills came into this league like who cares? Like he's covering Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. in practice every day. He's playing in the SEC. Like it was not a transition for him into the NFL, even though he was a seventh round pick. And I think you're gonna see maybe something similar. I, I don't mean to use Jalen Mills as if he's like some kind of star player now, but like he like he was never phased by the NFL. And Kayvon Wallace won't be either. That's a good point, Jimmy. And then ninth, I had two players really not intent. John Hightower slash Quez Watkins. I just didn't really know sure. how to distinguish between them. They're both you know day three rookie wide <laughs> right. receivers, as you've mentioned. The Eagles. They do get lumped together a lot. Yeah, they could have gone either way, probably drafting <laughs> them. So just, you know, can they can they do anything? Can they stand out? Ideally, you would want to see some kind of spark or some kind of potential from those guys. So that's my 10. Yep. Even, even though it's supposed to be five. <laughs> I only had five, uh, but I knew we were going to have overlap. So I'm glad you had a couple extra. Do you have any final thoughts, Jimmy? Also, with the wide receivers, like, you know, we mentioned with uh, – they're just out there. They're very easy to see. So that will be fun for, uh, for, for, you know, Quez and Hightower as well. Yes. Final thoughts? Uh, no, I mean, again, we got a hard out here, so uh, um, I'll save my final thoughts for another time. Training camp, Eagles training camp again. The real practices start up soon, obviously. Stay tuned to BleedingGreenNation.com and here on Bleeding Green Nation's podcast feed for all your training camp coverage that we can possibly provide to you. As always, as you know, BGN Radio is brought to you by Righteous Felon. You can go to RighteousFelon.com for Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, and you can use discount code BGN15 at checkout to get 15% off when you order $50 or more. So make sure you go do that, and we will talk to you next time. Goodbye, everybody. BGN.